Hello and welcome back to the Sabre Hockey Show. My name is Yuri Houston, and here with me again today is my co-host, Calvin Simon. On today's show, we discuss the first two weeks of the boys' high school season. We're excited to talk about the trial process and the preseason scrimmages and talk a little bit about the 2-0 start to the regular season, breaking down the first two games against Holy Angels and Duluth East. If you haven't yet, make sure you give us a follow on whatever platform you're listening on. And also, if you enjoy our show, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. If you missed our last episode, make sure to go give it a listen as we are excited to bring you the most up-to-date news on Sabre Hockey. We'll start out going in with the preseason, kind of hopping right into what tryouts looks like for the high school team as I know and many people that listen that have come through the process will know kind of what it's like, but it's kind of evolved um, over time, I guess you could say, and it's a little different. Um, What is the tryout process like for the high school boys, um, kind of what is of the week. I know you start on the Monday and you go technically all the way up until the Thursday, Friday. Some I know we had scrimmages on Friday of this year. Yep. So what does the process kind of look like Monday to Thursday for the tryouts for the boys? Yeah, the tryout process has evolved. Uh, we you know, we have a lot of returners now in the program and expect to have that for, for a good chunk of time moving forward. So um, we kind of call it more training camp. It's, it's formally, you know, tryouts but when we're talking to the group it's more of hey this is our preseason training camp we're getting ready for for game one and everything's a build up to that uh you know we spend monday tuesday and wednesday in what we call phase one of tryouts um this is you know uh, where we're gonna have to make our toughest decisions you know who's in and who's out Um, we don't declare varsity and junior varsity after that uh, you know three-day experience Um, we just basically select our team and then you know notify the guys that that didn't make it and um, you know we move on from there Uh, so monday tuesday wednesday this season was the biggest difference is we were we were actually teaching uh, we weren't just, you know, scrimmage evaluating and going through the process like you do in youth or in most tryout experiences. So I think that was helpful for us to fast track. We had such a good understanding of our group and where our team is at. Um, of course, we're still evaluating, but didn't need to be in the stands uh, critiquing that we can do it from the ice. You know, there's only a handful of decisions that needed to be made in terms of what directions to go. A lot of things were, you know, pretty well in hand of like, this is, this this guy's earned this over the course of time, you know. Um, and so, you know, that was, a big advantage for us to get prepared for the opening games because you know we were able to go over day one we talked about d-zone so we spent an hour on the ice you know a drill or two and then we really just rep through d-zone these are the details we went on the board with it we went and walked through each guy getting five on oh looking at it moving the puck around these are the expectations this is the base Um, and then we come you know get a zam cut they'd grab a snack they'd come back out and then we'd scrimmage with the expectation of we're watching the D zone right now more than anything. So make sure you're dialed in on the D zone um, and then ask questions. If you have it, you don't have to be perfect, but we want to see growth over time. Then day two, same thing, but we now start talking about the neutral zone. We're talking about with the puck and without the puck in the neutral zone. Then the second hour we scrimmage, Hey, we're watching D zone and we're watching neutral zone. You're getting graded a lot on this. Um, and then day three, we added ozone. Um, and so again, we're watching D zone, we're watching neutral zone, we're watching ozone in the scrimmage portion. Um, so that helped us a bunch. Then you make your tough decisions, you know, that, that Wednesday evening, um, this year we had a process where we had the seniors, um, all hang out, um, while everyone else was dismissed. Um, we met with them into 
individually to let them know kind of where it was going. It's a real emotional experience. Um, a lot of tears were shared um, by by both sides, the guys that were in, the guys that were out. You know, these are kids that have grown up together. Um, these are kids that, you know, have, have played a lot of hockey together, 10, 12 years for some of them. Um, and so uh, kind of ending that experience together, maybe sooner than they had planned, um, becomes emotional. Um, so it's it's never easy. It's a part of the process. You know, we had four seniors that we selected, four seniors that um, we didn't select. Um, so that's tough. But, you know, then we move into the following day and it's it's day one and now we've got practice. And we do our practices on Thursday as a full team. Uh, jumping ahead, we'll talk about the scrimmages here in a second, but then it's, um, you know, full team practices on Monday and Tuesday uh, coming out of that process as well. So... Yeah, that's that's the phase one. Phase one is Monday through Wednesday, um, kind of implementing our, our structure and then scrimmaging on it and seeing how they look in it and then giving an evaluation and making decisions to move forward. Well, and I think you can also, as you break it down like that, obviously it's as much as a teaching moment as also seeing really how the guys can transfer that knowledge of just learning it and some guys have been in the systems and kind of know and you tweak things from year to year but you kind of pick up on what guys are able to do things that you're going to be doing this year and what guys already know from past whether coming in or coming in from the Bantam group that kind of stuff so that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, we we use it as that where we can really understand the, the, how they learn, um, how they can grow. We have, um, you know, often talked about to them, this is hockey class. You know, we're your coaches, but just think of us as your teachers, right? And we want to see how you learn and grow. And just like in class, you know, for math or whatever, you're not going to be an expert in all the things that we expect of you on day one. Um, so make sure you're asking questions like you will with your teacher. Make sure you're, you know, if you need to do extra work at home to study and be prepared, make sure you're doing those things. If this makes complete sense to you and you're fluid and you're out there not thinking and playing fast, then you're in a good spot, right? Then we can give you some other things to grow on, right? So you can grow as a hockey student. But that's, that's often how we talk about it. And it does. It allows us to see where they're at in their learning process and you don't have to be perfect like we want to see great attitudes we want to see guys that are eager to the things that we're pushing on that are coachable um, guys that are team first you know these are you know heavy emphasis and obviously you got to have some skills right skating is the biggest differentiator right if I'm a parent listening and my kids in the youth um, you know more so than any game or tournament experience you can get your kid in you know make sure you're really dedicating time to helping them understand how their edges this isn't just the strides this isn't like the skating machine up you know in the upstairs part of the rink at the uh, the training house this is the edges this is on the ice doing those things and that's the biggest differentiator between what likely becomes a guy that makes the team and doesn't make the team or a guy that plays a consistent varsity role versus a jv role well yeah and you can have i mean it's really the base of everything i mean if you can't skate you can't play we say it and, all the time don't we <laughs> it, it and that's just really what it comes down to is like yes every, people everybody is good at their own things like some people might put more work into certain things. Obviously, shooting is a lot of thing that people focus on a lot. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's, it's fun, and um, it's easy to work on outside of the ice mm -hmm. time. Um, same as stick handling, and you can kind of see that. But skating is really where you can tell, especially come during the season time, is what teams can skate with every like you you're rolling. Yeah, your first and your second line for most teams are – good skaters really everybody can hold with anybody in the state really mm -hmm. and then once you get to that i mean even your second third and fourth line when you're playing those guys it's comes down to their skating if you have three four lines that can 
all go, can compete, can skate really well. I mean, if their other attributes aren't there, you can stick with a lot of teams. Yep. And that's what it really comes down to yeah. is that skating portion. Because if you can't skate, then you're not going to be in the right positions. You can't get to the spots. So, And we're not talking about like skating and working hard. Like that is a non-negotiable, right? You, everyone's going to work hard. That's the, you know, the, the biggest thing that everyone needs to know that we expect that. Uh, you don't get praise for working hard. That is an expectation. Uh, but if you are now a hard worker and you are skilled at the maneuvering and the edge work uh, and the techniques that go into being an elite skater, uh, now you're going to separate yourself from the pack because you have the expectation down and you're above and beyond in one of the categories of you know becoming elite or becoming really good at it. So it's not just the, the hard work, it's, it's how you maneuver. So. so yeah, going in from your first four to five days of tryouts or training camp, uh, then we, you guys had a lot more scrimmages as coming back from my time, um, even just a few years ago, I mean, we had a few scrimmages, but we weren't really jumping in. It was more of kind of how you talk about learning process, right? It was more practice than it was playing. And even though you do feel like you have a younger group, um, you have a decent amount of returners, but also a pretty heavy amount compared to past years of new guys coming in that, you have to, what was the process of selecting, deciding to do more scrimmages? What do you guys have? Four or five scrimmages right in the beginning of the season? Normally, I feel like I remember we played maybe two, maybe three scrimmages mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season before we had our first game. So what was that decision like to go in and do five scrimmages or four scrimmages to get that right away? Yep. Yeah, well, the first thing we do when you build the schedule, and this is something that is an art, and I've you know made mistakes in the past, and um, I'm sure I still do and will, but you, you learn from things that you've you've done with previous groups and you know, you start by building the games. Right. So you you get your game schedule and part of it is set. You know, like I we already have our, our South Suburban conference schedule for next year. And so you have to build around that. And now between December and January our non-conference games will be solidified for next season. So while we're in the midst of the season, these conversations are happening with other coaches. So you get your schedule built around your games, and then you build out the training program throughout the season to support how those games are going to play out. And so this year, you know, we we played in the opener hosted by Youth Hockey Hub, and those games happen the day after Thanksgiving on Friday and then the following day on Saturday. Usually we use that weekend as our scrimmage weekend. Right, that's where we're usually doing that. So we normally go the first week of tryouts, then some team practices, right? Then we come into that next week of preparing for our scrimmages, and then we've had our scrimmages. And usually, game one is that that last week in November. You know, where you know it's December. I think it's this year. It'll be the twenty eighth of November, a Tuesday. Um, usually, that day is our is our game one, and you know by that time we already have two games in our belt this year. So it it accelerated the process of we need to get games so we can get ready for these games that are going to count. Yeah. in the opener. Yeah, so moving on into that, like, so who did you play for the scrimmages, um, and really how did they go? Yeah, yeah. Well, we had two uh, kind of scrimmage days. You're allowed through the state high school league to have three scrimmage days uh, throughout the season. So um, that's part of the reason why you jam them in. This is why everyone's like as many as we can get on a day when you're going to do it because you can only get so many days to yeah. do it. So on on the Friday we did our Rogers scrimmages. So we got on a bus. Um, we, the boys actually got out of school a little bit early. Um, you know, we hauled up to Rogers, uh, and this is now a JV varsity uh, scrimmage experience. So we played those guys, uh, and then we also scrimmaged with Eastview. Uh, Rogers and Eastview are teams that we're going to play in the regular season. Eastview is you know obviously a conference opponent, so we'll play them twice, home and away. 
Uh, Rodgers is a non-conference opponent that will play at home uh, in the early parts of December. So with these few, there's no real hiding. Like they know who we are. We know who they are. Yep. We, we've got lots of experience and data against each other. Uh, we know coaching styles and details there that like it's just it's a pretty open yep. book when we play each other. Rodgers is a little bit different. Um, we've never played them. Um, know their coach, Dave Brown, pretty well. Uh, that's how we were able to create the Rodgers scrimmages. We did scrimmages with them last year too, um, but don't know a ton about their team as far as you know the details of how they play outside of having scouted a little bit. You know, we just haven't had the experiences against them. So we opted to game one, rest a bunch of guys. You know, we didn't put, you know, we didn't put Alexi in the net. Uh, we didn't have Simpson dress. We didn't have Pedersen or Siegert or Steinhoff or Colchin. Um, none of these guys dressed for that game. Um, so it allowed us to evaluate other players because you know, we've got a lot of depth and we're trying to figure out what guys need to grow to step into roles, whether it's uh, because other guys aren't performing, because guys are you know starting to develop and excel, injuries, whatever it is, we want to have a good understanding of what situations guys are prepared for and how we can get them prepared if they're not. So yeah, so that was the the Rogers part. Eastview, uh, we played everybody except for Simpson, um, just gave him, you know, we, we just didn't need to see him in that regard and wanted to give him that day off. He's coming off of a, a lot of games and yeah. a lot of hockey he's been playing with Tri-City. Um, and so we just, we didn't want to have him to have to play that game and we didn't need to evaluate him and save him for the, the following day. Um, so that was that experience. And it was fun. And we were on a bus, you know, home by 1030, 1045, out of the locker room after we got everything unloaded by, you know, 11-ish. Yeah. Um, you know, home by 1115, 1130, depending on where each kid lives. Uh, probably asleep by midnight uh, and then back on a bus um, by 7.45 a.m. the next day. So Big grind of the early season is always how it goes. That's exactly it, yeah. So we get on the bus, we go on what we called our East Metro scrimmages. We went out to Aldridge Arena to scrimmage Hill Murray. Um, legendary barn, you know, just a classic arena. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, NHLers have played there in their time in Hill Murray or their opponents. Um, so it's, it was, it was cool to see the Sabre logo skating around in there, right. In contrast with the red and green and, and kind of a milestone achievement, like, Hey, we're here and we're playing these guys and they wanted to scrimmage us and they see the value in competing with us. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Their head coach, Bill Lechner is, um, a guy I really, really respect and, and, you know, try and model some things after, um, each coach has their own flair and there's a lot that I like about what he does and, and how he goes about his business. Um, so that was great. And we, we, Played well with them. You could see we started to run out of gas, right, from the long yeah. day before and the the late night and early morning. But the early parts were really good. And, you know, throughout these experiences, we kept telling the guys, detach from the outcome. Today's not the outcome yeah. day. Uh, today's about progress. Today's about development. We're just trying to help you guys get an understanding of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to play. Yeah. We're not trying to, at all stops, win a hockey game right now. We're just trying to get better at the stuff. So make mistakes doing the stuff we're asking you to do so you can grow at it. Mm -hmm. And I thought the guys really embraced that. You know, I didn't see any hanging heads. Um, you know, we ended up not scoring more goals than Hill Murray. It was close for a little bit and then they pulled away by a couple. Um, you know, and same thing with Rogers. They, they scored a bunch on yeah. us, but again, it, it, it wasn't what it'll be in a, in a couple of weeks when we play them. Uh, but they're good. They're really good. And then we finished this, the weekend up by getting back on the bus, traveling over to Cottage Grove, 
um, and then scrimmaging with those guys in a JV and varsity. And that was kind of the culmination um, where we, you know, had a better understanding of JV and varsity and where guys needed to slot for the early parts of the season in development and performance. Um, and, and both teams rolled, scored more goals than the other group and, um, you know, essentially walked away with, with wins. But again, that wasn't the goal. It was like yeah. we're seeing consistency in the mm-hmm. stuff that we're looking for. So we had a lot of confidence going into the, the end of the weekend there and getting ready for the, the, the real thing on Friday the next week. Yeah, so the last question about the scrimmage is um, how do you decide like what teams that you play during obviously we talked you talked a little about Rogers that you wanted to play them and see them because you playing is a little bit different than just watching film mm-hmm. um, and actually seeing being on the bench in the stands seeing the guys who you're gonna be playing against but how did you decide to choose these opponents I know you touched a little bit about it but from year to year because I remember my scrimmages or even going to the scrimmages before I was in high school of it was normally teams that we would play during the regular season obviously hill murray and park cottage grove you don't play this year but what was the kind of the idea and the coaching staff thinking about when deciding to play these group of four scrimmages yeah the the rogers scrimmages the head coach dave brown um, we did scrimmages with them last year we have a relationship he reached out asked if we wanted to be involved um, I knew he was going to put together good opponents, um, and that's what we're looking for at the yeah. end of the day is, you know, it's more ideal if we're playing teams we're not going to play in the regular season mm-hmm. just because it's an additional looks, yeah. it's it's a different feel, uh, and it, it starts to really get bitter when you're playing teams for a, a third or fourth time yeah. uh, just because it's the nature of boys and, and the nature of the sport. Um, so that's how we got into those. We didn't know we were going to play Eastview until the schedule came out. And then Hill Murray, uh, in the process of building the schedule last year, we wanted to play them for a regular season. They're just full because they have yeah. a lot of suitors and they have, um, you know, not a lot of movement in their yeah. schedule. And so, you know, Coach Lechner said, we don't have room this year, but, you know, we can you can definitely consider it for the future, but we'd love to preseason scrimmage. Um, and that was the same thing with Cottage Grove. They wanted to get us on the schedule. And at that point, we were already full. Yeah. And so I said, I'm, I'm full, but I have this thing going with Lechner where we're going to scrimmage on Saturday. We'll be in that neighborhood. If we can work it out the time and, you know, mm-hmm. get on the bus and come over, if you guys can get ice, we, we'll even come to you. And so, um, you know, their their coach, Coach Corkish, um, was all about it. So we just kind of made it happen. It's, it's through the process of building your game schedule. And then that next thing you want is those scrimmages um, because those are what you have to book. Your practice yeah. ice is essentially assigned and you know what yeah. that's going to look like and you just plug it in on the, the non-game days. Um, but yeah, that's how we got to it. Going into the scrimmages with um, the teams, I think it's really good um, to kind of go away from home. And the process of being away for the first, even just if you do two scrimmages or three scrimmages, it's really good to just not be at home uh, because you know what it's like because you practice in your own barn. Mm -hmm. So I think it can be really good to just not be at your home uh, rink. And there is some advantages and you don't have to travel and that kind of stuff. But um, it's good to be in other places um, and see teams um, that you don't normally see. I think it's great. It's it's intentional on our part. You know, we we look at it this way. When the season starts and even a couple weeks leading into, you know, before the, the tryout and training camp process, everyone's really excited for hockey. 
Yeah. Our, our guys, our parents, our coaches, everyone is just juiced to get it going. Right? The youth has already been going. Right? The rest of the country is playing games. NHL is going. The NCAA is going. Everyone's going except for our league because you know we are supportive of the fall sports yeah. through the high school league, and so you know you want to give the footballs and the, the other sports, soccer's and whatnot, as much time as they can to finish up in the fall. And so we're ready to go. And with that, you've got a lot of eager and excited and gung-ho people that let's get on the bus, let's team bond, let's yeah. make that a natural part of the experience, and let's kind of get it out of the way. Because yeah. as you get into the later parts of the season, you know, we call them the dog days often, mm-hmm. it's not as shiny of a thing anymore. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more of the grit and the grind and the, the, the tough days of the season. So uh, we have a lot more home games towards the middle stretch in the end, which will be nice for us to settle in at home. Mm-hmm. But to your point, yeah, you, you know how to play at home. And we want to make this season as early as possible, as tough as possible. Yeah. Because, you know, we want to be poised to win games in the playoffs um, moving forward. And, you know, we won one last year and we want to win multiple. We want to compete for the championship. Um, obviously, it's a tall order given, you know, the, the competitiveness of our section. Um, but that's the goal and that's what we're preparing for. So the harder we can make it early on, um, even if it ends up costing us a game, um, we can learn and grow from that rather than trying to make it hard later and get prepared in a sprint where we can just be, that's just the way we do things. It's, it's always going to be difficult. Well, and if you really look at it in that sense too for playoffs you're only if you are lucky enough to get a high seed you only play one home game in playoffs right everything from second round on is technically all away mm-hmm. i mean then every team is playing away um whether they're at a they're playing in neutral site or in st paul but everything is an away trip from then so if the more away games especially the tougher opponents you can play away and it is good to have tougher uh, opponents at home too because then it just makes the process a little easier during the regular season mm-hmm. but playing as many away games against really good opponents you have to get you're gonna have to do that if you're gonna try and go deep in playoffs that's, that's playoff hockey yeah right? it's, playoff it's, hockey. It's, it's on the road right yeah. it's not like it is in in other leagues particularly the nhl where you've got a series and it's it's home and then there um, you're right in, in our our sections happen at at you know, Braemar, um, that's why we were so excited to get into the Youth Hockey Hubs, the opener, which happens at Big. It's not Braemar, but it's, an, again, another rink where, you know, we can go somewhere else, we can play, we can have multiple games there. You can start to get better as the, the weekend goes on, um, which which was great. It, when we travel, you know this, but, you know, most people may not. When we travel, it's not like your youth game where the kid gets dropped off, he's got his hockey bag, and that's it. Like, it is a production. It's I mean, a we, whole process. <laughs> we, we look like, you know, a, a, a band. You yeah. know, we, like, bring all this stuff. We've got a skate sharpener, a table that it goes on. We've got all this, you know, repair stuff for the helmets. We've got extra helmets, extra jerseys. I mean, we've got all this stuff that has to get, you know, transported. And so there's a process of learning how to do that and do that well so you're set up because, you know, a guy loses a skate blade or a guy has an a, a equipment malfunction or something happens – the quicker you can get that done, mm-hmm. the better, right? Um, and we're going to jump into some some game stuff from the opener, but one of the goals that was scored, uh, Pedersen loses his stick, right? And he's skating back to the bench, and that quickly, because we have our stick set up in a way where the coaches can find it and we can get it, the stick is grabbed, it's given to him, he makes the play, he gets out, he's going to score the goal, he ends up getting tripped, and Simpson buries it on the empty net. But, you know, it's just those little details yeah. that you if you have that, it's it's a big deal and it helps your team win games. Well, I just want to add one thing on that. Shout out to all the managers, anybody who listens, if you're a manager or not, people don't understand how much work goes on behind the scenes from players and coaches. Everybody kind of knows that. Mm-hmm. But the managers 
that we have and have had in the past have done a terrific job in making it a lot easier on the players and coaches. And I think it also helps a team, especially when you have really good managers that um, do a good job. Yep. And obviously, you got we talked a little about it in the boys in the episode, but uh, we have some new managers this year. And um, so far... I mean, they're running it like a good show. So they're and, great. And, and they'll learn um, and grow. And it's nice to have a past manager kind of coming and helping um, to kind of show them the ropes. Yep. So that always helps. But uh, so just a little manager appreciation in, in the pod uh, for this episode. It's a great crew. You know, we've we've been blessed. It's always really been a great crew. You know, they're in what we call kind of like the learning phase right now because they they weren't on the crew last year um, doing the management duties. Fortunately, one of them from last year, Zoe, came back um, during the tryout process in the first day and, and kind of walked them through, hey, this is this, this is that. We had done that as coaches too, but they lived it and actually did it. So like they were able to give the, the, the girls a lot of details in that regard. Um, and then we do have the returner in Mason uh, managing yep. this year, which is great. And he knows, he knows the ropes. And so he was out of town for the opening weekend, but um, the girls are learning a lot. They're great. They show up, they bring great attitudes. They never complain, you know, and we ask them to do a lot on the fly and in the moment. Um, and they're, they're earning their stripes for sure. So when we go past the scrimmages, so you had Friday, Saturday scrimmages, then you move on to Thanksgiving week is really what we call it. But you talked a little about normally you have scrimmages that upcoming weekend, you played two regular season games. What was the week like looking up to a Friday and Saturday back-to-back matchup, um, especially for away? What does that look like from Monday to Friday morning before the games. Yeah, the week of Thanksgiving is crazy busy uh, for our program every year because we have a lot going on. The team's picked. um, You know, we've now... in the process of finalizing phase two of the trials where we're deciding who's going to go game one varsity, who's going to go game two or game, game one JV. And we spent Monday and Tuesday um, as a full team training. I should back up Sunday. We did pictures. This is the only Sunday that we like request anything. So we do our team pictures, our media, social, like social media pictures, they do the banner picture. They went off site to St. Paul to take it in front of a black Hawk, you know, chopper, which Um, looks great by the way. I've seen the picture. It's awesome. It's it's awesome. I, I'm excited to see it. Um, they're always they always do a good job with those, and and they'll be hanging in the ring so the fans can see it. Um, so yeah, Monday and Tuesday we did full team practices. So we didn't split into a varsity JV, um, which allowed us to still go two days or two times each day. So we'd have an hour skate, uh, a 15 minute zam, get a break, bring a snack, uh, be ready to go, and then do it again. And again, we're teaching a lot. We're going over details. So the whole program has no like excuses on. This is how we forecheck. This is how we ozone. This is how we neutral zone with the puck, without the puck. This is how we D zone. This is how we break out. This is how we special teams. This is what we do, right? And so everyone's learning it. Plus, it's giving us more ice time, right? So we knew we're going to be in a back-to-back game. We've got to get our legs and lungs dialed in early in the season because it'll bite us if we don't, right? Especially game two against, you know, what we expected to be a little bit tougher opponent with some more depth, um, which is no, you know, knock on Holy Angels. They they were good. Um, Duluth East was just a touch more difficult, especially given it was the second game of the, the weekend. So we wanted the guys to skate extra, but we knew at some point we've got to get, you know, this figured out and start building, you know, specific chemistry with lines and whatnot. We also use the, the the scrimmages for the chemistry. So yeah. we were tinkering with lines and really seeing it and like, hey, this, there's chemistry there. Mm-hmm. Um, plus a lot of these kids know each other have played together for yeah. a long time. So Monday, Tuesday, we're together. Wednesday, we split into varsity JV. 
All the while, we've got Cub Foods bagging going on. So we do a fundraiser with Cub Foods where we're bagging groceries. Um, so shout out to anybody that that supported us there and, and dropped a, a penny or a dollar or whatever it was in the in the bucket and and, and helped us you know pull this off with a, a fundraising effort to give the kids great things, including New Jerseys and stuff. Um, and we're also having player preseason meetings after this. So the the kids are busy. Yeah. Right. It's a super busy time. Um, and we've got guys in and out of practice because they're going to do, you know, the selfless thing of bagging the groceries uh, based on the assignment. Then you've got Thanksgiving. We're off. Right. Told the guys eat well, but make sure you get yourself up and walk around. Don't just sit on the couch. Make sure you're prioritizing water, um, you know, and, you know, have a have a big plate, maybe a second plate. Don't do a third plate. Right. Light yeah. on the pie. Have, you know, take it to go plate. You know, you'll, you'll want it for the, the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Um, so that's leading into it. Then Friday morning, we did a morning skate. Um, this was like 30 minutes for the, the varsity or the JV, um, and about, you know, 25 minutes for the, the varsity. So they're just light skates, getting the guys going. Um, and so it was, it was a good way for us to just knock the rust off, get them feeling good. We know they got a lot of energy going into game one. Yeah. So with that morning skate on Friday morning, what, We'll kind of move into the Holy Angels. The first regular season game normally doesn't happen this early, um, as in past years. What was that process like kind of scheduling? Because obviously you schedule out last season. You said, hey, we're going to do this. Um, what is that like? What was the contact with Youth Hockey Hub? Or how did we kind of get into this? This is an opportunity that we really haven't ever had before. No, no. We're, we're what I call in the club now. Um, you know, there's still a couple of things that we've got to knock down in terms of just being full-fledged in the club, but people want to play us and they want to talk about us. We've got hockey day now that's helped a ton. Um, and, and that's just the process of us, you know, growing as a program, as a city. Um, and so this was a thing where Tony Zozel, uh, the owner of the youth hockey hub, uh, had reached out and said, Hey, would you have an interest in, in being in the opener this year? Um, that was a no brainer for me, right? Yes, we'd love to. Um, and so he's like, I'm thinking Holy Angels. Um, you know, a week or two later, he reached out again and said, Hey, Duluth East wants to play too. Do you want to go Friday, Saturday? Uh, re- responded, Absolutely. Uh, and so to me, it was these are good games. Uh, these are opportunities for us to play in something that's going to have a ton of publicity. Youth Hockey Hub is going to be publicizing it. Um, and so that's, you know, good for us, especially as we're starting our march to, you know, Hockey Day for 2025. Um, so we we want to get as much attention as we can on all things Shakopee hockey. That's part of the reason why we wanted to do yeah. the Saber Hockey Show <laughs> too, right? Is just let's let's talk about it. Let's get as much buzz uh, so we can make that event great. Uh, and I think they see that too, right? So it was just a relationship I've built with Tony over the years, but also mostly uh, because the program is kind of stepping in a direction where people want to you know be involved and and catch on to the coattails of the cool things we got going on. Yeah, so kind of go into a little bit more in depth into the Holy Angels game. So. First game of the season, playing away on. Normally, you're not playing this early. It's normally the week after. Um, you come out with a four to one win against the Holy Angels team. Good Holy Angels team. Um, and what was kind of the process going into the game? What was the thinking behind how we're going to have to play? Obviously, you don't change up your style too much. I mean, you kind of have your base styles, and then teams play different ways. So you kind of figure out, okay, what's our style going to be? What were the thoughts going into the game? And then we'll get a little bit about the game details. Yeah, yeah, we know the players and the coaches well, and they know us as well. Um, there's a lot of connections uh, about the game. So we didn't go into it with an understanding of exactly what 
what their power play is going to be. Uh, I did get a chance to see them skate this summer in a summer tournament um, against Gentry Academy in a, in a quick situation. They had a power play. So I had a general idea of, you know, this is what they did then. It's not for sure that's what they're going to do. So we didn't even really instruct the guys going into it on this is what they're going to do. We gave them base understandings of, hey, if they've got two guys up, up high on the blue line, this is how you should approach it. If they've got one guy high and more of a true umbrella, this is how we need to approach it. Uh, and we'll really coach you up you know, in the process of that. And then for sure, intermissions after we know exactly what they're trying to do on how we can be effective. Um, other than that, we really just harped on do our stuff. Focus on our game. Focus yeah. on how we de-zone, how we break out, yeah. neutral zone, you know, offensive zone, how we zone entry, all those details, and we'll be just fine. We knew they had a couple of real strong players. Every team does. Yeah. There's not a team out there that doesn't have a line or a guy, yeah. right? If not a couple of guys or a couple lines. Um, so we knew they had that. What we felt like going into it, and we now know, is we just had a little bit more depth um, on both sides, the offensive, you know, forwards and the and the defensive side. Um, and so we really were excited about that for a game one situation. Um, we scored first, so that was helpful. Um, that really gets the <laughs> the tension down. Um, and so it was it was a game where, you know, two, like I said, there's there's all these connections. Uh, MPH, Minnesota Performance Hockey, as you know, I, I co-own with mm -hmm. Chris Boydell, um, and Chris started it. So people don't know the story of MPH, and I'm talking about it because in this game, there was at least 28 kids that have played an MPH program uh, between Holy Angels and Shakopee, which, you know, Chris and I yeah. called this the celebration game, like our guys are playing high school. Um, but it started without me. I joined into MPH a couple years into it um, when Chris and I partnered. Um, but they started it out of Bloomington, um, and they, you know, guys that were playing that are now at Holy Angels, a lot of them were Bloomington kids uh, and somewhere from other communities too. And so, yeah, it was, you know, you had nine players from, from Holy Angels that have gone through the MPH program and played at least one tournament AAA season. Uh, and then you had 19 players from Shakopee that have done that as well. You probably have another 10 players that have done the MPH advanced training, right? Uh, between the two programs. So for sure, 28 kids, probably yeah. more like 35, almost 40 kids that have done that. Um, so our kids all know each other really yeah. <laughs> well. They played on teams together. Um, so we knew a lot about them. They knew a lot about us in terms of just even little details. And it was just fun to watch them compete. It was fun to watch them after the game, all these conversations that happened yeah. from guys that were past teammates and grew up. And um, I even hung out and, and talked to some of the dads after um, who were instrumental in building MPH uh, before I was even involved. So it was one of those games where it was cool. I was so glad that we got a chance to play them. And I think the biggest thing to communicate to the, the Sabre Nation is this is the first time in program history we've ever beat Holy Angels. It's never happened. Um, you know, they used to be in our conference back in the days of Minnesota um, and they beat us all the time, really good. <laughs> um, and there was one year we, we lost to them two to one at Richfield uh, and they had to skate immediately after the game. Coach Treble made them skate. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to beat those guys and get a program first and start the season one on all. Well, luckily for me, I w I'm young enough that I don't remember those days. Sure. So all I know is that we're one to know against Holy Angels and my uh, view of my, the saber hockey career so um but so we kind of dive in first period like you said we get the first goal um cooper simpson notches two goals in the first period uh really with yeah, cooper's back everyone yeah and cooper's back if you didn't know 
Um, we're really excited to see him and just have him back. I mean, obviously great play. Everybody knows, but I played with Cooper and just a great kid and overall excited for all the opportunities that he's been able to have, but also glad to have him back. And I think the guys really like it too. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's loved in our room. The guys like him, um, you know, not just cause he's a good hockey player, but because he's one of the boys and they've got deep friendships. You know, he was, Again, we've talked about it in previous shows, uh, playing in the USHL for Tri-City. He was a tender, uh, which means he was basically selected to their team ahead of the draft. He was likely to be a, a, a first-round pick. That's why you use a tender on a player. Um, he's been enrolled in Shakopee the entire time. He was doing our online school program. Um you know, it's just not his strength. He's he's a he's an in person learner. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he when he focuses on it, you know, he's he can do just fine and get the yeah. grades he needs to get. Um, you know, we recently have announced he's committed to North Dakota, so getting good grades is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the grind of his season at Tri City, from nine to three, nine a.m. to three p.m. They were practicing, lifting yeah. weights, meeting, doing all their stuff. That was their ice block. That was their time to do things. Um, that's when school was happening. Yeah. And so our online program isn't where it's just like go online and listen to a video. Yeah. There's there's classes he's missing yeah. every day and having to like email with the teachers and catch up and try and mm-hmm. figure it out on his own. And it became a real challenge. And so that prompted him to look into how can I move to in person and, mm-hmm. and go back to playing, you know, back at in Shakopee. And it's it's mostly fueled by, you know, the education side of it too. Um, where, you know, if, if he was just doing all A's in, in online school, he's probably not here with us. So for yeah. our team, we benefit in that regard. But I think it's also important that he, you know, make sure he remembers that he's a student first and yeah. athlete second. And that's one of the biggest things I think we've always preached is being a student for I mean, it's always how it should be. I mean, even when you get up to college and even in juniors, guys are taking whether it's college or high school classes, you're still your education doesn't stop until really after you play college hockey or really ever in life. But Amen. uh you you kind of think it traditional education. Um so Cooper notches the first two in the first period. You're up two to zero after the first period. What were you kind of going into in the locker room? Um as that's really almost what you didn't know, but that was half the goals that were gonna be scored in the game for the Sabres. We felt great. Um, you know, we having a lead always feels good. We had the shot advantage too. We had the possession time advantage. Um, we, we really felt like we were in position. We were the road team, so we didn't, you know, get to have last change. So the lineup matchups were going to be determined by them. And we knew yeah. that going into it. Uh, and we were good with that. We said, we're going to, they're going to have to keep up with us. We're going to mm-hmm. play the guys we want in whatever the situation is. And we trust all our lines to play against all their lines. They yeah. just need to know who they're on the ice with and against. We say yeah. it all the time during games uh, and, and certainly intermissions. And so after we got a lead uh, and we learned that their top line was matching with our top line um, and we felt like we've been skating twice a day, we've yeah. been really working, we feel like we're in good shape and we have a lot of possession time so we don't have to work as hard when we're on the ice, you know, because when you yeah. don't have it, you're chasing. Um, we kept double shifting our first line and our, our thought was we have a lead let's gas their first line. Mm-hmm. Their second and third line, we didn't feel like we're comparable to our second and third line just in terms of experience and skill. And so that created advantages for our second and third line when they went out there against first, second, or third for them. So yeah. um, you could see they were running out of gas because they were having to really force to catch up. And we were able to get a, a second period goal um, you know, pretty, pretty early on. So it felt good. Uh, to get that, and and now all of a sudden you've got a real big lead, and we're matching lines, and it was it was good. Yeah, so you have that second period goal by Zach Doctor, um, slotted it on that first line right now as the first line 
for the last two games was Cooper, uh, Nate Pedersen, and then Zach Dektor at center. So th- all first three goals of the season come from that first line. Um, Nate had two assists, Cooper with an assist, and then also defenseman with assists on the first goal. So really, through two periods, you're up... Th- Three to zero going into a game, and then uh, obviously we know the score ends four to one. Um, third period, kind of going into the third period, but also the third period. What were kind of the thoughts going into the third period? As at this point, the penalties you guys had three penalties, and they hadn't been called for a penalty, so you had no power plays until the third period, which yep. the whole game, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, but they. With the power plays, what is it like going into the third period knowing you're killing more than they are? And obviously you're trying to hold on to a lead. You had a sizable lead of 3-0. But what is that kind of mentality of, hey, we're up, but we know probably they're going to make a push at some point here. Yeah, Yeah, because we were able to... Uh, maintain our lead and extend it and successfully, you know, grind on their first line. We felt like they don't have the legs we have. Uh, We've had the possession. If we don't score another goal and we play exceptional defense, we win the hockey game. Uh, We also kind of communicated, we've got another one tomorrow. Uh, We can't worry about that, but here's another reason for us to make them play a 200-foot game. Mm -hmm. So unless you have an odd man situation, when we get the puck over the red, uh, and we want to be a possession team. We, we don't want to be a dump and chase team. However, there's a time and place for things, right? We've got a lead. Uh, we've got them wore down. Let's put the puck into corners whenever it's an even man or they have the advantage. Let's put it in deep and let's make them have to go through all five guys and defend uh, that way. And so I think it was you know a message everyone bought into. And then the other piece was stay out of the box. Yeah. Don't don't give them a chance to to build some momentum with their mm-hmm. best guys not having to work as hard. And so, you know, for the most part, we did that. We ended up getting one interference call. Um, that it, it was tough yeah. play. It was kind of in, inadvertent and, and happened. But, um, yeah, it was one of those messages where, you know, defense wins championships. We've been talking about that a lot. Uh, and the guys heard us, and they did it. Yeah, so first game Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, come out with a 4-1 to one win. Um, as we talked about a little before, the history with Shockby Holy Angels. Um, feeling good and uh, obviously I was in the stands for both games this weekend and it was fun to watch as it really felt like compared even to last season just the possession and we play the same style of hockey as you guys did last season but the the growth and development of the whole team as some of the younger guys coming up or new guys in and the guys who were returners but it really looked like there was no weak spots there's a few things obviously every game you have the things that you need to work on um but really it was just a solid overall game where holy angels didn't really have many chances they ended up sneaking one in off a good two-on-one but uh really it was a pretty dominant game possession wise and i'm sure be able to get the stats and everything of that but kind of after your first game realizing that we're we're we just beat a good team, which I've seen on Twitter and people in the hockey world talking that Holy Angels was projected to be the better team. What is the kind of thought process after game one going into game two? Yeah. Yeah. Well we we know who we are. 
the rest of the world uh, may not, and you know we have to prove it to them, and that's fine. Um, we're okay with that. Kind of gives us a little chip on our shoulder. Um, you know, we don't take things personally, but we do get you know excited when there's an opportunity to prove ourselves. So you know, you get a win. Um, message in the locker room after the game is obviously good win, good start. Uh, we've got to do this again. So we start the recovery process. Take care of yourself. Communicate any injuries or anything you're going through, um, and then humble yourselves. We got another one. Um, we just played a team that has a line one that's really good, um, and maybe not as as comparable to our lines two and three. But we're going to play a team tomorrow night in Duluth East that's got a line one and a line two that look like our line and line two. And they got a line three that looks like our line three. This is going to be a hockey game. Mm -hmm. And so we can't think that it's just going to be like this. It's going, it's going to get harder. And we always talk about, you know, we don't, we don't pray for easy. We, we pray for the things that are going to help us overcome whatever's put in front of us. Um, We pray for the strength, the wisdom, the guidance, you know, whatever it is. So that was, that was a bit of the message. You know, this is a game where, you know, having Simpson back to start it right away and get mm-hmm. a hat trick, um, you know, take some pressure off of everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, Pedersen steps right into being, you know, what was a second-line center last year to a first-line center. Um, you know, Nate is a, a really smart hockey player. He pairs well with other good hockey players mm-hmm. that can think the game. Um, he walks away with, you know, what we call a playmaker, three assists. Um, he's starting to become Pedersen, the playmaker, or playmaker <laughs> peds, because um, he does it again. And, you know, just foreshadowing here in the Duluth East, he ends up with four apples and he's leading the team in points with seven. Um, so one of the big things we talked about as coaches is we've got to get production from our second line mm-hmm. and we've got to help them understand that the way that this other line plays with Simpson, peds and Doc Tour isn't how you're going to play. There's going to be things that are similar, right? But they're just a little bit different, uh, particularly because of because of who Cooper, Cooper Simpson is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just that's just wrap your head around that. And if you still you can still be successful, you can still score goals. You guys can still have a heck of a time out here. Uh, but you need to be a little bit more structured to the system to create those opportunities for yourself. And that's exactly what happens in game two. Yeah. So game two, uh, first period, about six minutes into the first period. Uh, haven't been trailing at all in the first game. You give up a goal six minutes in. What was the kind of, uh, I, I could see it from the stands, but for people who weren't there or may not have been looking at that, what was the thoughts on the bench, um, the reaction by the team? What was kind of that process after now you're in a situation where now we got to play yep. and you're trailing by a goal for the first time in the season? One of our mentalities is win anyways. Uh, regardless of the situation, the refs aren't good. Uh, we're missing opportunities. Uh, they take a goal away. Um, whatever the adversity is, win anyways. And I told the guys on the bench right before the puck dropped, I said, hey, up one, down one, we are going to win this game, right? So do not panic, especially knowing we just had a game where we never trailed. We were up early in the first period. I didn't want them to start having that like, uh-oh, are we in trouble type of feeling. Um, and so when we got one, or when they got one, excuse me, when they got one scored on us, it, there was no panic. Uh, everyone was just fine. Uh, you saw the leaders like reassure everybody, we're fine, guys. Like it, it's going to be a hockey game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so you saw them start to settle in. It was a lot of <laughs> um, joy and excitement to get one before the end of the yeah. first. Um, and in the way that we talk about it, I can't wait to show the guys on the film a handful of these goals that aren't highlight reels, but are this is what we tell you guys to do and look, you did it and mm-hmm. now you got rewarded. Yeah. Right. And it's so important. And in goal two from Doc Tour, while he has an exceptional shot and he showed that in mm-hmm. the first game and clanked one off the post in the second game, uh, he scores because he does what we tell F2 to do. 
drive hard, right, and get to open space or get to the net, and he drives to the net, right, and the puck's there off of a rebound, and he taps it in, yeah. right, and it's just doing the dirty work. It's a lot of fun to see that. And that's also part of, I mean, congrats to him. I mean, two goals or two games, that's, I mean, a goal a game is what every player hopes for. No question. But, um, so a good start to season for Zach. Um, first period, one-to-one, obviously, uh, Pedersen and Simpson with the assists on that goal. So they hear Pedersen again. You'll, you'll hear it m- many more times throughout this season. Um, so one-one after the first period. Going into the second, what was the kind of mentality going into the second in a tie game against a really good team? Um, obviously, we know that uh, really from this season, post two games, we're a first and second really period team. And mm-hmm. if we can get that league, uh, that lead, then it's really, we're going to play our game and play defense. Uh, what was that kind of mentality going into the second period in a tie game? And then what was it before um, really what I like to call the storm of the second period kind of happened? Yeah. Yeah. So each intermission is just a little bit different. Um, a lot of times intermission will happen. The players will go into the player room. When we're on the road, what was the JV locker room becomes the coach's room. Um, and so most times we go right into the coach's room, they go into the player room and everyone gets about, you know, two, three minutes of just figure it out, go to the bathroom, uh, take a deep breath, do what you got to do. Right. And then we'll, we'll have some conversations. It also allows us as coaches to have conversations about the things we want to address, the things that are most important to, um, you know, communicate to the team. This was a situation as we were walking off the bench to the locker room. I told the coaches, I'm going right in. I'm not giving them a second. We got to go right in because it's a new team, right? Each year's a new season. And we're now facing our first bit of adversity, right? We're in a tie hockey game and I don't want it to get negative in the room in any regard, right? I want to make sure that they aren't stressing on each other and that they're they're just good. And so sometimes we do some weird things. I, I went in there and uh, we did some 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 breathing and visualization stuff real quick. Um, just got their minds settled. Uh, they all bought into it. It was great to see. Um, and you could feel like there was no stress after that. And then I just told them, hey, keep it positive in here. Talk about things that are going to help us win, right? Or take some quiet time. We'll be back in a couple minutes. And so then we gave them the, the time. Uh, and then just reiterated the details that were working, the things that we saw that needed to be cleaned up, uh, did not focus on them at all other than their their forecheck was really aggressive. They, they did a 2-1-2 with their, their F3 was low, like hash marks are lower. So if our D could just get it and make a quick play, we were out of the zone and that's where we were able to transition. Second period is where best teams take over and you know we were able to make some adjustments that allowed us to make a big splash uh, and the kids executed and that's that's what's so fun as coaches when you can give them information they can receive it and then they go out there and actually do it in real time rather than waiting until we have to get to the film to show them and then they finally buy into doing it Uh, this group's proving if we tell them to do it they will work to try and make it happen as soon as possible and it's it's made the difference yeah so when we talk about the splash really one one end of the first period second period two minutes in about two minutes 12 seconds into the second period cooper seager and this is where we talked about after that first game okay you're talking about that second line we need to kind of start not necessarily producing not putting the pressure on them to produce but figuring out your style and how you want your line to play and every kind of line has their ways of figuring out how they play with each other, how to have success with each other. And that second line really took over um, in that second period. I think they were probably the most notable line. Um, But you get a power play early in the second period. Cooper Seager uh, puts one in. Um, 
from that power play one, then two minutes later, or not even two minutes, like a minute and 50 later, you, Cooper Seager puts another one in five on five. What was the kind of feeling you just one to one and then literally four minutes into the second period. Now you're up by two goals. What was that kind of on the bench um, and the reaction of the guys then? Pure belief. Um, I think, again, it, a part of it was part of the way that we just we communicated in the locker room. We didn't go in there yelling at them. Uh, we calmly delivered information to them. We got them to take some deep breaths, take some stress off, uh, and they came back out and performed. Uh, it, for everyone listening, we have two Coopers, and they're yeah. both studs. <laughs> um, one's Cooper Simpson, who we've talked about a lot. Uh, we're talking right now about Cooper Siegert, uh, so a sophomore that is exceptional speed and an exceptional shot, um, like a lot of our guys, and really had you know his his breakout game uh, for everyone else that you know hasn't known his game. Prior to this game, uh, I talked, I pulled him aside um, along with Coach Cully, and we just talked about a, one tweak he needed to make. And he was doing really good on the forecheck when the puck was in low ice. You know, anytime it's below the that hash marks or top of the circles, we call that low ice. In the ozone, you know, above the top of the circles, we call that high ice. Um, and so we have some details that we've really stressed on this year about when the puck goes into high ice and when the D have it and how we support it because we like to we like to play with three guys high. And he does a great job when he's the F1 in that and he was struggling when he was F2 and 3. And we just walked through it again. And I said, you can shoot from this spot, and I showed him an outside the dots, below the hash mark shot, or you can shoot from this shot, right? And if you just make these adjustments, you're going to be in a good spot. Everything else is great. Just keep doing exactly your effort. Your, all the things you're doing everywhere else is really great. Um, and so just reassured him of that. That's not exactly how he scored. He scored off the power play. He scored off of doing what he needed to mm -hmm. do um, in a different situation off the F1 you know, support and high ice. But it was just, again him buying in and making those other adjustments and then it, him being rewarded yeah. in an instant fashion, again, created his belief. And now you've got a skilled player with a ton of talent and now is beaming with confidence. Yeah. And, you know, he ends up scoring a third. You're going to talk about it in a second, but all of a sudden he's just unstoppable. He had another play later on <laughs> uh, where he dished it to um, to Kleiner. And I yeah. love that. They're, they're a puck moving line. Uh, and he came to the bench. He's like, I should have shot that. I'm like, dude, your stick is on fire. Shoot everything right now. Do not turn down a shot. You yeah. know, so um, yeah, Cooper one, Cooper two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're both really excited about them. Yeah. And then, so going from one to one to three to one, then you give up a power play goal, which um, every good team in the top, I mean, really every team can score on the power play. Mm -hmm. um, it just really comes down to how you play penalty kill. They got a good power play goal. Credit to their team. Um, it was really nice to watch. Not necessarily nice to watch, but it, it was a good play. Good play by Duluth. Um, and then right after that, less than two minutes later, the, our other Cooper, Cooper 1, Cooper Simpson, comes down, even strength 5 on 5, and not just another goal. So really kind of a they responded to putting us putting two goals in and then we come back respond to their goal right away basically it was a timely goal um they had just scored um and i was actually coaching with the whiteboard so i had grabbed guys i think it was the simpson line with peds and doc tour and was talking about a face-off play and again i'm big on details and it was like mm -hmm change this detail and that create that play yeah. is here now you have option one option two and you just take the option that's there um and they were listening and then all of a sudden we heard we got we got scored on um and 
Cooper Simpson does not like to be scored on. None of them do. Um, but he was done listening to me, and he was like, can I go out? Like, I want to go get one now. And you could tell he's he's ready to play. Um, and so, you know, you, you miss the the goal when he goes out to score because now I'm coaching the next group when they came off from what had happened. Um, I've watched it now on film. Um, it's not exactly what we teach um, to do, uh, but it's not completely out of the system either. Cooper Simpson has a lot of flexibility to do things because he sees the game from a unique lens. His skill is on a whole nother level um, from not only our team, but most teams. And so when you're able to, you know, go rogue a little bit or go off script, and produce um who am i to get in the way of that right sometimes it's like that's that's what good players do right Mm -hmm. you watch that you can talk about a football quarterback that scrambles and does unorthodox Mm -hmm. things patrick mahomes is one of the best at it right he throws these sidearm underarm you know things that's not what his quarterback coach teaches him to do right but he produces so um elite players have a way of making that happen so i i say that to say anybody that's listening um not everyone gets to do what cooper does out there because it actually works for him. Yeah. So, but yeah, the way he scored when he can get a high danger spot, a shot from the slot, um, if he can see it, the goalies are in trouble. Yeah. So, and that was one of those situations. And then just about five minutes later, so pretty deep into the period, about four minutes left, they ended up getting another power play goal. So, you're thinking about it two out of their three goals at this point, both goals that period were power play goals. Um, We'll kind of touch on that in between the second and third period break, but then Cooper Seeger, two minutes later, another response goal, a power play goal, his second power play goal, and the one that completes the hat trick. Um, talk just a little bit about, uh, I know we touched on Cooper Seeger, but the the power play, I mean, these are your first two power plays of the game. And both of them produce a goal. Yep. And you only had one power play in the first game. It was really kind of a possession power play. It wasn't necessarily... Obviously, you always try and score. But it, we, you guys were leading by three goals at the time you had another power play in the last game. So what was kind of the mentality there of the power play? And I think it's taken tremendous strides from where it has been even last season. Yeah. yeah the well, We have two power play units that we really believe in. Um, we call them a red unit and a black unit. It's not one and two. It kind of just depends on uh, energy systems and or how the game flow is going and what what kind of way we want to start. Usually they both get a crack at it. We don't have them go for two minutes because um, it just really depletes your energy. But um, both of these power plays came from our red unit. So this is – you've got uh, Carson Steinhoff and Jack Colchin up top running it, and then they've got Cooper Siegert, Nate Pedersen, and Jake Marshall. Uh, and these guys – do the plays we teach and they don't deviate, right? Um, and when they do deviate, they don't perform and they, and they don't get goals. And so this is where you get two power play goals from the red unit because they ran the stuff. And it's it's not that the stuff is so great. It just simplifies the game for them. Here's what you're going to get. If you get this, make this pass. If you get this, take the shot, right? And it's just yeah. so simple for them, right? Yeah. So now they just read it and say, oh, I don't have the shot. There's my pass. Yeah. And the next guy gets it. I don't have my shot. Here's the pass. And so they all know exactly what's coming. They can anticipate it. And we have an extra guy on the ice to them. So when yeah. you when you have a power play that will actually do the things and they've got the skill to complete the passes, um, you know, in games like this, they're able to be really successful. Our black power play um, is has a lot more flexibility and freedom. This is the one with Simpson and Peyton Chase and then Dalen Klein up top. Uh, and then you've got, you know, guys down on low ice doing the rebounding yeah. and, and, and getting in the way. Um, and those guys, you know, they, they're still working through it because there's a lot of new faces mm-hmm. on there. The red unit, 
was the red unit last year. Yeah. So they didn't have this level of success early on the season like they are now yeah. because they're in year two of yeah. running the exact same systems and concepts they ran last year. So we have a lot of confidence in those guys in those situations, but it's not that we don't like the black unit too because, mm-hmm. again, you've got Cooper Simpson, our leading goal scorer on it. Yeah. Um, and when he's on the ice, especially with one guy short on their team, anything can happen. Yeah. So then you go from 1-1 to 5-3, end of the second period now. Uh, instead of a tie game, you're up by two. The, we talked a little bit about the mentality from the Holy Angels game, still up by two. Uh, going into the third period, is, was the mentality still, again, defense first? Um, because looking at the stats stuff, you only registered one shot in the third period. Obviously, there was multiple factors that went into that, yep. but uh, and we'll get into that, but going from kind of a 5-3 standpoint against a really good team that you know their top guys were scoring. I mean, they scored three goals at that point. They're a good goal-scoring team. What do you kind of have to adjust in that moment uh, before you step on the ice for the third period? Yeah, we have a two-goal lead, uh, so we feel really good about that. Uh, We have a shot advantage, um, so we feel really good about that, Um, and we know we can create offense. We've given up two goals in that period, the second period to the power play. Um, so we want to try and stay out of the box and we want to make them play a 200 foot game. Um, we don't want to give them opportunities to counter on the rush. We valued from our scouting that their forwards um, were more uh, of a threat than their defense. We felt like we could manipulate a bit of their defense. And so we wanted to make them have to play rather than the forwards getting transitions on silly decisions, extra toe toe pull or extra move in the neutral zone or not getting the puck deep when we don't have an opportunity to zone entry and run our stuff. So um, we just said, hey, that's 200 foot game. We actually, you know, usually we wait till a little bit later in the, the third period, but we went the whole third third period with a very passive one, two, two, four check where just one guy has access to anything below the top of the circles unless we have control of it. Um, just because, again, we didn't want to put ourselves in a situation where their forwards could, could start an attack. That was the first six, seven minutes of the third period. Um, then we end up taking a five minute major on a, on a play. I disagree with, I've watched the film on it too. Uh, it is what I thought I saw live, a shoulder check where guys head hit the glass, um, not head contact, but that's going to happen. People are going to make you know mistakes, refs included. And so we have now a five minute major to kill. Um, again, mentality is win anyways. We don't like the call. We don't like the situation, uh, find a way, make overcome, make it happen. And so we spend five minutes on the kill. Uh, fortunately, we don't give one up this time, yeah. right? We had made adjustments. We talked in the intermission too about here's how they're getting us on the power puts, make sure we're doing these things. Um, and everyone was bought into now in this mm-hmm. period, defense wins championships. Yeah. So even Simpson took one off the foot blocking yeah. the puck. I mean, it, it's it's pretty swollen now too, and that's just the nature of it. Um, and you've got guys really sacrificing that way. It's after you get that killed, now you've got, you know, four, five, six minutes left in the game. And it, no, probably like five minutes left in the game. And there's only a minute or two of five on five, and then they pull the goalie, yeah. right? And so now you got the last two, two and a half minutes where they're they're empty, and now it's six on four. So we didn't have a lot of time where we weren't shorthanded for the final 15 minutes of the game. And so we didn't have a lot of offensive opportunities, plus we didn't need to. We yeah. just kept getting pucks in the corner and said, try again. Yeah. And we just believe so much in, in our goaltender um, that if he can see the puck and we help him on the back door and we help make sure he's got you know no tips and no distractions in front and we keep him to the perimeter, um, he's going to make saves for us all day long. And so that's that's one of our our ways to win hockey games is get early leads and and then play exceptional defense behind yeah. it. Well, and I didn't talk about it, but actually before the five on 
uh, for the five minute major, uh, they actually did score an even strength goal. So during that whole from 10 minutes on right before the five minute major, it was actually only a one goal game. Yep. So it was a kill to basically save the game from being tied. Yes. Um, so that was a really big kill after giving up two power play goals in the second period. Yep. Um, and really, besides the one penalty, the five minute major, there was no penalties that, I mean, it t- took a big chunk of time off of the period, but no other penalties that period. So that was kind of a big thing. But you get out of the game with a 5-4 to four win against another really good team, Duluth East. So 2-0 and on the season, kind of now looking um, onto the week uh, ahead. Um, I just have a few questions about uh, the, really the team after two games. Um, nine penalties through two games. Five in the game against Duluth East, which resulted in two power play goals, um, and then three, um, or sorry, four penalties against Holy Angels, operating around 75% penalty kill rate right now, which is above average, um, but not exceptional. Um, what are some of the things that need to be tweaked in the game of trying to stay out of the box? Yeah, you know, the the good thing about the the majority of penalties that we've taken um, is there there's only I think one hooking um, there's no trippings um, these are what we often call lazy penalties uh, even the hooking um, on I believe it was Pedersen uh, wouldn't have called it a hooking it was yeah. one of those plays was kind of after the whistle and some guys you know they give each other a little bit of yeah. uh, of communication and then they give each other a tap and he just tapped the guy on the butt with a stick and they end up calling it a hooking it was after the play it was just interesting but my, my point is is it's a lot of roughing. Uh, it's a lot of physical plays, and these are sometimes just nature of the beast and mm-hmm. how a ref interprets it. And we want our guys to play tough, so yeah. some of those we just have to learn how to be a little bit more uh, precise on how we go about making checks and how we put ourselves in situations uh, so we don't get called for the rough. But we want them to play tough, so um, that's just going to be something that we'll have to get better at because there's opponents that are going to come uh, either to our barn or we'll go to theirs. That if we give them too many power play opportunities, it, it will cost us the game. Yeah. And again. We don't want the lazy ones, though. Mm-hmm. That's that's critical, and the guys know that. We've made that extremely clear. Um, I will note, uh, and this is really important for people to to understand. You know, last year Cooper Simpson, obviously, we all talk about his you know sixty five points uh, or sixty seven points, you know sixty plus points last year. He also had a lot of penalties last year. You know, sixty ish minutes of penalties um, through two games. He spent zero minutes in the box. Yeah. Um, I can't say enough about just his mentality. Right now, he's different. Uh, our team is different, uh, mostly because of the way he's approaching it. He's as coachable as he's ever been. He is uh, as disciplined as he's ever been. Uh, he's staying out of the box. When we talk to him and give him feedback, he's nodding his head. He's yes, he's smiling, he's listening, um, and then he's working to make those things happen. So that is helpful. The age is not have him in the box. We, we're not using him on the penalty kill because he's available. Um, but, you know, we're not getting those frustration calls that we got a lot last year between him and, and even Vogel. So uh, it's it's something we've got to improve on, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty pleased through two games with yeah. the penalty situation. Yeah. Um, and then compared it to last season, um, still a really good mark. Last season, you averaged through a full season, about 3.7 goals a game. Right now, through two games, short uh, time frame, but 4.5 goals a game. What I mean, we know, and people that are around our program know that 
we can score, um, which hasn't been really our thing in the past, but to kind of win games. But now what is the thing is, okay, now we know we can score. And I know we said a lot about defense first, but is that really going to be the key to everything this year? Um, and for the years to come is now we know, hey, we got a bunch of guys that can score. Now we really just got to worry about getting our D zone and not giving up as long as we're scoring, like we, we don't got to focus on that as much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's helpful. Our power play is doing well. We're operating at 75%. Um, and so that's, that's massive. That's a, that's a big step in the right direction for us. Uh, excuse me, 66%. Um, our penalty kill 75%, but you know, any team that's at 40% is high level. That is elite power play. Um, and so 66, that's, that's likely unsustainable, but um, it's in a really good place after two games. So we know we get goals there and it, we know that that works. Um, our shot on goal percentage is, is really good as well. We're operating at 18%. You usually want to be somewhere in the 15 to 20%. That's really good. Uh, for reference, a Minnetonka team that's buzzing right now is at about 24% and they're leading the way. Um, so we're up there in terms of our pucks going in. Um, we don't shoot it as many times. We're more of a possession team mm -hmm. and that suits us because we can skate uh, and we can pass. So we don't just throw pucks to the net yeah. hoping they go in. We look to create high danger scoring chances uh, because we know if we can get our shooters in those situations, our goal scoring opportunities go up. And if we shoot and don't score, oftentimes we have to go then recover the puck and try and get possession again. And we like mm -hmm. to keep it until we get those situations. So um, the goal scoring, I think, you know, we know, uh, particularly anyone that watched this weekend uh, and knows that watched last season or the last two seasons, Cooper Simpson can score. Uh, people are now learning, which we've you know been excited to see match the maturation of Cooper Seeger's you know goal scoring ability. He's he's a high level goal scorer when he plays at his birth year. Right, he plays with the blades. He played fifteen only blades and sixteen new blades this year, uh, fifteen only last year. So he's he's been a goal scorer with them the last two years. We're now starting to see that translate to high school hockey, which is more U eighteen level. So a little bit older kids he's playing with now and against. Um, we haven't seen a goal from Nate Pedersen, even though he leads our team with seven assists. Um, we've instructed him to be a disher. His goals will come. Um, he's a guy that we expect to have 50-some points just by nature of him playing the game the way we ask him to and racking up 30, 40 assists and then tapping in his 10, 15 goals, whatever he does. Um, we haven't seen a goal yet from Peyton Chase. Um, those will come. He's a heck of a hockey player. He plays with so much grit, uh, and he's got the ability to finish. And so as he settles into the details that we're coaching him on, uh, we know he's going to start scoring some more. Um, and Dalen Klein is going to be like a, a Pedersen. He's going to be a distributor to those mm -hmm. guys. They just need to find a little bit more chemistry and get some more yeah. time together. So, um, And the, the guy we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, Zach Doctor is a sniper. Uh, he's a skater. Uh, and him and uh, Simpson have a ton of chemistry. Um, they're really good buddies off the ice and on the ice, even all the way back into Peewees and Bantams. Um, these guys have made, you know, tons of damage as a duo. So we're, we're not worried about scoring goals. We're worried if anything about making sure that we don't get overconfident and try and get too cute, yeah. right? So that we have to do a bunch of scoring late in the game and just stick to our stuff and score the goals early. Yeah. Um, I know we didn't touch on it. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there now. Um, but I talked um, with Coach Roller, um, one of the JV coaches, um, during this weekend. And JV team, just like to update everybody, um, against Holy Angels um, and Duluth East, 2-0. Um, and o, So won both games, just like the varsity did. Um, actually outscoring 
um, the teams 12 to three through two games. Mm-hmm. So 12 goals, almost as good as the nine um, or the eight that the varsity have had. Um, so really, you're looking at two two teams, really, 2-0, and um, playing really well. Um, just wanted to give some props to the JV team and how deep that the Shockby program especially um, has gotten because our JV team is, I would probably say, some of the best in the state and up there um, just because of last season and this season. We're supposed to have a really good year at JV again as necessarily doesn't count, but it, as much as development, getting ready for varsity, it's a huge step. Yeah, it's it's a great group. Um, you know, last year's group won 18 hockey games out of 25, um, which was a great season for them. Um, probably, if not, you know, a, a top to sell suburban conference uh, for sure in the top three. Um, and so you now on a pace where I expect these guys to win 20 some games. Um, less important than winning feels good yeah. um, is that they're working on the stuff that's we're doing with mm. varsity. JV, the, the pace is a little bit slower. Um, the competition's a little bit less. That's obvious. And so you have more time to do the things. And so what we really are preaching on with these guys is don't do the things you can get away with. Do the things that are going to translate to varsity hockey. That's what they're getting held accountable to. Mm-hmm. If they do that, we're confident they'll win games, so they'll have fun with it too. Yeah. But they'll also be varsity contributors sooner than later. Yeah. And so the guys that are buying into that um, are the ones that are, you know, we're really making marks as varsity coaches when we're watching. They're the ones that the JV coaches are talking to us about um, and, and their coaching experience. Um, our, our state of the high school, the, uh, the hockey program in Shocker right now is in a really good shape. You know, we've got a varsity team that has four seniors. Uh, so we'll graduate a goalie, a defenseman, and two forwards. Um, and then, you know, we return essentially everyone. Um, there's always the what's Simpson going to do next year, but that's a, a song for another day. Um, and then you look at our JV team, you've got a lot of kids that have played Bantam A or Bantam AA, right? And are subject to return because they're all you know, sophomores or juniors um, or freshmen, and, you know, they're learning the ropes. In addition to that, we have a really good and strong Bantam A team, right, that is, you know, putting themselves in good positions to play against Bantam AA competition in tournaments and scrimmages, and then competing in District 6, uh, as we talked about before, you know, at the Bantam A level, and a lot of those guys will return back to Bantams next year. So you look at the next couple of years, um, the biggest challenge everyone has is just staying patient, right, and waiting their turn. Whereas in the past in our program, you know, we just guys have been able to get opportunities at younger ages on the varsity because we didn't have as many returners and as much depth um, that we're going to have moving forward. So that's a good thing from a coach's standpoint. This is what the really good programs have, right? They have junior and senior led teams right now we're more of a you know we got the four seniors but we're more of a sophomore and junior led team um, which next year will translate into a more of a senior and junior and it'll probably be that way moving forward with the rare occurrence there'll be guys that you know Mm -hmm. that find their way into the lineup at a freshman or sophomore level but it won't be lots of guys it'll be one or two at most yeah i mean i think that really recaps the last two two and a half weeks of the season. Um, Just wanted to give kind of a preview of what's going on in this upcoming week um, as we got another busy week. Um, uh, Two games, a tough opponent um, coming up as the closest game at at Chanhassen on Tuesday um, who 
are a really good team and everybody expects them as they were a really good team last year. Um, even though they are, their record doesn't show it right now. We know just like a Holy Angels or a Duluth East, that they're going to be a tough team to play against as they always are. What is the kind of, uh, preparation going into that as uh, practice on Monday and the preparation going to Chanhassen on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, you know we're we're recording this on a Sunday. It's off day, so hopefully the guys are recovering, uh, taking care of the stuff, getting the ice, uh, making sure that they're ready to go for Monday. Uh, we've got a lot of data now on Chan. We've played them, of course, in the past. Um, one of our coaches, uh, Brandon Ferns, was able to in-person scout um, before our game on Friday and watch them play. Um, and we have access to the video for both the, the games they played this weekend. Um, they're 0-2, but they're, that, that doesn't reflect their, their talent and their ability and the type of game we're in for on Tuesday. Um, they're really good. They returned all their guys essentially including their goaltender and top scorers um this is the other thing that you know i'm going to make sure our team understands they had a guy that they had you know internally suspended um for whatever he had done um i think i know the details but it's not my place to talk about it and then um, they had a player that was on their football team playing in the prep bowl and these are both immediate you know contributors to their team so uh, as i understand it, they expect to return to the suspension is over he served his two game suspension uh and the football season is over so they have two guys joining them for practice tomorrow and for the game on tuesday that weren't there you know how that is. That brings a ton of confidence yeah. to the room. So they'll be a different team than they were this weekend uh, one way or another. Uh, it'll be a fun battle because it always is with us and them, uh, regardless of who's supposed to win. They usually are tough. Last year we lost to them in OT. Uh, we had a chance. Uh, we you know, we, we just didn't get it done. We missed on the shot, and then they went down and scored on that next possession um, about 10 seconds later. So um, we're excited to play them just because it's been that way and our guys and their guys know each other, mm -hmm. right? You know, we've, we've got a lot of guys that have attended Breakaway Academy, as do they. So they, guys that went to school together, guys that have played AAA or HP experiences together. Um, it'll be, it'll be a battle and it's a section game. So, you know, as we all can see it, if we're being, you know, real with ourselves, it's likely that Minnetonka is given the one seed, unless of course, you know, Jan Hassan was able to get the one seed last year because they beat them regular season and had a great rest of the season to go with it. Um, you know, if one of us can beat Minnetonka in regular season, then we could probably sneak in the one seed. But either way, um, you know, it's likely going to come down to trying to get that two or three seed to stay on the other side of the bracket for Minnetonka. So you play them in the championship. And so there's a lot on the line with this game, right? It, it gives you that upper hand in, in the communication when you're seeding um, so we know that's at stake. Win or lose, uh, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, we play our game our way and we continue the growth pattern so that when it comes to playoffs and it's win or go home, uh, we're a better team. Yeah. You, I mean, big complications coming up for the game on Tuesday. Obviously, Shan Hassan, top 10 ranked team, on, I think top five ranked team in the state. I always go by um, Let's Play Hockey rankings because yeah. that's a coach's poll. Um, there's a lot of rankers out there and I like reading their stuff. And there's a couple I think are really spot on because they're into it and they know the yeah. things that are going on like really internally with each group and the coaches. Uh, but they're, they're, they're preseason or they're currently ranked number three. So yeah. Minnetonka's won. They won the state championship last year. Edina's two. They were runner up. Uh, and Chan Hassan, who lost to Minnetonka um, in a really tough section game, mm -hmm. um, you know they're they're number three right now, despite being on two. So it's it's a number three versus unranked. Uh, you know we weren't ranked for whatever the reasons were. I think mostly due to them not knowing Simpson was going to be back. Um, so we were 
you know, others receiving votes, which puts us somewhere between 21 and 30. Um, something tells me at the next ranking that'll change, uh, especially if we win this game. But either, even still, you know, you beat Duluth East, who's ranked number 14, and then Holy Angels, who was also in that 21 to 30, um, will probably crack into the top 20 after this. Yeah, so big game coming up on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on a Monday uh, or Tuesday morning before the game, uh, really love to see people come out to the games. I, I'm We have a great fan base here, so I know it'll be a packed house in Chanhassen at Victoria. Um, so very excited for the Tuesday game, and then as well as the Thursday game at Chaska. A um, little bit of a rivalry there normally. Um, border battle like it always is. Um, also with a few players from here and there, um, which we can get into at a later date. But uh, So two games against uh, Chaska and Chanhassen this week. Tuesday, Thursday, both away. So if you can make it to either of the games, we appreciate the support um, and we appreciate everybody listening to kind of the last two and a half weeks of the season, kind of uh, what's been going on, keeping up to date with everything um, and always appreciate the support on uh, every episode and um, really, really appreciate everybody listening um, and hope to see you guys at the rink here soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we want to thank you for making it all the way to the end. Hit that follow button to save our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast and want to show your support, we encourage you to leave us a five-star rating. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you at the rink.